title of my message this morning is, What do you do if a miracle doesn't happen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the God of miracles. And this morning, I just pray that you just deposit something in our hearts that will increase our faith and our trust and our love for you. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. How many people here believe in miracles? Yeah, I do. Uh, I believe in miracles because I came to the Lord through a healing miracle and I've met the God of miracles. I was at Massey University, 1971. Uh, a girl that I was really interested in invited me to a um, Christian Union camp and I thought it would be a fantastic way of getting to know her. I went and played soccer on the Saturday morning, injured my arm and had my hand wrapped and bandages, had a sling on. Uh, that night in the, in the meeting, I can't even remember what the speaker was speaking on. I can't remember what he was saying. But all I remember was saying in my heart, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And that's an incredibly dangerous prayer to pray. And all of a sudden, it was like a bucket of hot water was just poured over me and I just felt this warmth flowing down through my head, through my torso, through my arms, through my legs and when I looked at my hand um, I thought, oh, I can, I can move the ends of my fingers. So I unbandaged my hand, took the sling off and I was just completely healed and for the first time in my life I knew that not only was there a God but there was a God who loved me and cared for me and answered my prayer. So I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. My mother had a history of psychiatric illness. Uh, when I was born, mum had postnatal depression and it wasn't long after that that she had a complete breakdown. She I was looked after by my grandmother in my early years, and mum spent months and months and months in Oakley Mental Institution in Auckland on numerous occasions, and was always on medication. Dad would slip various doses into her coffee, uh, depending on what the situation was, and she would fluctuate between highs and lows. And, and I remember great times in my childhood, but, but I also remember the struggles and the really, really difficult times. Uh, I remember one time, mum was up on the roof of our house with an axe chopping down our chimney. And, you know, I, I laugh, my brother and I laugh about that now, but at the time, it was just really, it was just really serious and out there and, and just terrible. Mum and dad believed in God. Uh, they met at a Presbyterian youth camp and Dad became an elder in our local Presbyterian church in West Auckland. But, but Mum just really struggled with um, her illness. And back in those days, there wasn't as much of an understanding of mental illnesses as what there are um, today. But when I came back from my first year at university, full of enthusiasm for God and having been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, it really sparked an interest in mum and dad. And about a year later, they went along to a Bill Sabritsky meeting in Auckland, which he used to hold every week. And mum got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and she got instantly healed. And she never had another breakdown, never had another problem with mental illness at all, absolutely set free by the power of God. So I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. In the late 80s, I uh, was at Hamilton AIG, and I worked with a man called Ian McCormick. And if you haven't heard of Ian, he, he's just got an absolute amazing um, story. Um, in the late 70s, Ian, after watching a film called In the Summer, decided that he would head overseas and he would just chase the sun and the waves all over the world. And he found himself on the island of Mauritius, which is a little island off the coast of um, the east coast of Africa in the Indian Sea. And uh, he was night diving. And while he was night diving, he was stung um, six times by the deadly box jellyfish. One sting is enough to kill you. When his friends eventually got him back to the shore, paralysis was starting to set in. By the time he got to the hospital, he was nearly dead. And he was paralyzed completely, couldn't move. He wasn't a Christian at all. I mean, he'd just been living the surfy lifestyle. Um, but in his paralyzed state, he had a vision of his mother. And his mother said this, and I want to read it because uh, this is Ian's words. His mother said, no matter what you have done in your life, son, no matter how far from God you may be, if you will call out to God from your heart, God will hear you. And if you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. So Ian prayed the only prayer that he knew, which was the Lord's prayer. And he said, as he prayed it, it was like, the words came up in technicolor in front of him so he could see it. And he actually meant what he prayed. In hospital, Ian died. He tells us how he saw himself at one stage hovering over his dead body um, on the surgeon's table. He tells of being caught up in a tunnel towards an incredibly bright light. And he found himself where he now knows was heaven, just being impacted by wave after wave after wave of light, just absolutely bursting through his body. And then he said, then I felt this incredible love just coming all over me. And this love was emanating from the source of the light. And he knew that he was in heaven. He knew that he was in the presence of God, who is light and who is love. And if you want to read his testimony, um, just look it up on Google, Ian McCormick, and A Glimpse of Eternity. And it's just amazing, amazing testimony. God asked Ian if he wanted to stay, which he did. But then he thought of his mum, And he thought, if I stay in heaven, my mother will never know that I have met God. So he asked to be sent back, and God said, well, if I send you back, you've got to see things through a different light. Ian, when his spirit reconnected with his body, woke up, and God said to him, son, 
I've given your life back. He found himself in the hospital morgue with a doctor about to stick a scalpel into his foot. And when he set up, you can imagine that that doctor got a real, real fright. <laughs> because Ian had been dead for hours, absolutely hours. And Ian shared this story thousands and thousands of times. And if you've never seen it, you've never heard of it, and I haven't had time to give you clips this morning, but if you've never heard of Ian's story, look it up. It's really worthwhile. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because I believe in the God of miracles. A couple of years ago, uh, Penny, who is a trained physiotherapist, had a dream. In that dream, she had a vision of a person's lower leg. And the lower leg had a broken bone in the foot. And in the dream, she saw herself praying for this foot. And before her eyes, the bone came back together and was just completely healed. Two weeks later, uh, we got an email from David and Greta Peters to say that Greta had broken her foot while she was out running. Now, Greta is a physiotherapist too. And um, it was exactly the same bone that Penny had seen in her vision. So Penny rang her up, told her about the dream. She prayed for her over the phone. Now, doctors had told Greta that she would need surgery to pin it, and that she may never be able to run again. So after Penny prayed, Greta being due surgery later that week, she persuaded the surgeon to do another MRI, which showed absolutely no broken bones at all, completely healed. X-rays before, X-rays afterwards, total miracle. And uh, a week later, Greta was up and going and just no problems whatsoever. God is a God of miracles. I believe in God and I believe in miracles. Amen? Amen. Since the age of about 50, uh, I've been having regular blood checks, blood tests, as all guys should do. And for the most part, I've been pretty healthy throughout my whole life. But a couple of years ago, the, my doctor, who's a Christian doctor, sent me to a specialist because my PSA was rising. I had a MRI and, an, and a biopsy, and to my absolute shock, I had prostate cancer. I... It was slow growing and it was fully contained. So initially there was nothing that I needed to do about it. But I prayed and I got others to pray. And in fact, anyone who had a healing ministry, I got them to, to pray for me. And although I fully expected and fully believed that my PSA would drop, it, it never did. And I was stunned. I had seen so many miracles over the years. I began asking, why me? God, why didn't I get a miracle that you had so liberally poured out through me over the years? My 
PSA continued to rise, so it came to a head in January when I went on the waiting list for surgery. And again, we prayed and fasted. We kept on praying, got other people to pray and intercede for us. But nothing miraculous happened. And so on the 20th of March this year, I had prostate surgery, which is a real major. It's not just a matter of just going in and taking out a little bit of cancer. They, they cut things and have to rejoin things, and uh, it, was, um, it, was, it was pretty tough. And by the way, thank you so much for your prayers, everybody. I hate to think what had happened if, um, if you hadn't been praying, because, I mean, it was tough enough as it was. So I had eight weeks off work, and it will probably take another six to 12 months to get fully healed without an extraordinary miracle. Why didn't I get healed? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and I, I take no comfort from the fact that Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he couldn't get rid of, and God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And I think sometimes there are situations, circumstances that we go through that we just don't understand, but we have to go through them anyway. I said to my dentist, who isn't a churchgoer, I said that I was just so frustrated that I didn't get a miracle. And he said, uh, but you did. It's a miracle you had a great surgeon. It's a miracle that you came through surgery. It's a miracle that you're recovering your bladder function. And he said... His uncle had the same surgery, but has no bladder control now whatsoever. And that's really, really tough. And um, I heard of a young guy also who had exactly the same surgery and so uh, has to, and didn't recover bladder um, control and so has to have a bag. Young guy. That is really, really hard. So keep praying for us. I'm so thankful that all of my functions are coming back and that I'm well on the way to healing. But I'm thankful that the tests show that I'm now cancer-free. But, but, things happen in life that we don't understand. And for me, it was really, really difficult. In fact, it was really embarrassing, to be honest. It was really embarrassing that I've seen so many people healed, and here's me, I didn't get healed for some reason. I love the faith chapter in Hebrews 11. And uh, if we'd had time, I would have read the whole chapter to you because it's just so, so absolutely brilliant. But anyway, verse 32 of Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And I say amen to that. That is just so encouraging. That is so fantastic. And that's what we pray for. That's what we believe for in every situation and circumstances. When we see our friends suffering, we pray for them, wanting that miracle from God, which God shows himself to be a God of miracles in his word. However, Hebrews 11.35 doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, Others were tortured, 
not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented. How many people are believing for um, Hebrews 35a? I am. How many people are believing for Hebrews 35b and following? No. But they're all part of the same verse. And it goes on. And all of these, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from from us. And by the way, the promise that they were believing for, they were expecting for, was Jesus Christ. He was the promised. He was the one that they didn't see, and he was the one who they are made perfect through, through us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It's very easy when things don't go the way that you expect them to, when life takes a difficult turn, it's very easy to get discouraged. But the author to the book of Hebrews is saying, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. These ones really suffered for their faith. And they believed, and even though they were commended for their faith, they didn't receive a miracle of deliverance nor did they receive what was promised. But in every situation we face, we've got to recognize that the greatest miracle of all is coming to know God through Jesus Christ, being forgiven of our sins and receiving that promise of eternal life, life forever with Jesus. That's the greatest miracle of all. And any other miracle that we might be blessed to receive is really just temporal compared to the eternal nature of knowing God. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, after listing all the miracles and commenting on those that suffered without getting a miracle, that's why he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, put aside all that stuff which ensnares you, And let's run with endurance the race set out for us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Our faith starts and our faith finishes with Jesus Christ. Sometimes life doesn't work out the way we expect it. Sometimes bad things, difficult things happen to good people. We're living in a world which is falling apart. Some of the stuff that happens to you happens because you are reaping what you've been sowing. Other stuff happens because you reaped what someone else has sown. 
And still other stuff happens simply because we're living on earth. This is not heaven. This is earth. Jesus asked us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will done on earth as it is in heaven. That tells me that the kingdom of God has not fully come. That God's will is not fully done on earth as it is in heaven. But we're on a journey. We're in progress. We're seeing. My heart, my desire is that we would see more and more and more and more manifestations of the presence and the power and the miracles of God. That those things that we champion, as I've been talking to you this morning, those things that are exceptions would actually be the rule. Amen? Anyone else believing for that? The thing is, we've got to know how to cope when things don't go right. We blame others. We blame ourselves, but often we end up saying, God, I don't understand why you let this happen. It's your fault. You don't make sense. And often those questions are on an endless loop, which will take us spiraling down and down and down. So after I had to confront what had happened to me, how did I cope when I didn't get the miracle that I expected? Well, firstly, I need to say that my faith in God is not dependent on him doing stuff for me. Okay, that's really, really important. I already have the best miracle of all, forgiveness of my sin, an alive relationship with the creator of the universe, who's my heavenly father. My faith on God is based on his love for me. When I was born again in the Spirit of God, I knew that I knew that I knew that God was real. I knew that He loved me. I knew that He had a plan and a purpose for my life. And that knowledge, which was imprinted in my spirit from the time I was born again, has not changed. And nothing that has happened since that time has ever diminished that knowledge of who God is, of what He's like, and the plans and the purposes that He has for me. So I keep loving God and trusting Him no matter what has happened or will happen. See, until you come to that place where you know that you know that you know that God loves you with an unconditional love, you will always be susceptible and uncertain when you go through difficult times. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, love is the relationship. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. And love trusts. Hope is the building that is built on that foundation of love. And hope believes. And faith is the expression of that love. And faith acts. But everything is built on the foundation of love. That's why the Apostle Paul prays. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When you know that God loves you, when you know in your innermost being, at the very core of your being that God loves you, then everything else comes from there. Everything else flows from there. Psalm 13 verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Psalm 52, 8. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. You see, out of love comes trust. If you love somebody, you trust them. If you love God, you will trust him. And I don't need to understand everything about him and his ways to know that he loves me and I can trust him. I've got a four-year degree in biotechnology. There are people here with PhDs in various areas of science and medicine and the arts. But all of our learning doesn't help us know God better or trust Him more. We're human. He's God. Uh, Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So it doesn't matter how much learning we have had, God's ways are always higher. And because they are higher, as the heavens are higher than the earth, it means there's a huge gap in our understanding. Who can fathom God? I can't. But I suppose it comes back to this little Sunday school hymn. Being brought up in the Presbyterian Sunday School, St. Andrew's Presbyterian in New Lynn in Auckland, we would sing... Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's interesting that while I had a Christian upbringing, it wasn't till God touched me, till I had an encounter with him, that that which was in my head became planted in my heart. And that was the difference. That's when I was born again, when head knowledge became heart knowledge. And you can experience that too. I, I am so thankful. Uh, we've got a multicultural dinner coming up um, on Sunday um, week, next Sunday night. And I'm so thankful for the cultures that we have in this church. Did you notice that there is a, a definite bias against white people? On our singing team, Isaac, there was only two white guys up on our singing team this morning. You know, we, we're going to have to even that out. It's just, uh, it's just shocking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say, uh, often we get, um, and I'm just going to mention the Filipino um, people here, often we get a lot of Filipino um, people coming in to our church who have had a a church background in the Philippines. But when they come and they sense the presence of God and they sense the reality of God, 
It makes a complete difference in their life. And they get born again when they experience God for themselves. When they find that God is real, he's not just something that the priest talks about. He's real. He's knowable. He can be experienced for yourself. But we don't have the capacity to understand everything about him. He views eternity. We focus on this life. Yes, we learn about God. It's a life process. But we're called to love him and trust them. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Cannot be shaken. It doesn't matter what you go through. When you trust in God, you can't be shaken. And all the things I went through, I mean, I'm not going to give you all the graphic details, but there were some shockers. And I remember uh, lying there uh, day two when things were about the worst and I was having a reaction to the morphine. And I remember thinking, God, why have I gone through all this? God, I know you're with me, but... And immediately I began to think. And it was just like, it was just like a vision. I began to see Jesus on the cross, suffering. And... I began to see the pain and the suffering that he went through for me. And I was just thinking, oh, that is such a horrible, 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 horrible death. And I was I'm lying in my hospital bed. I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, Don, I suffered for you. Would you suffer for me? Well, I couldn't say no. But it was interesting, from that moment onwards, there was like an open heaven in our hospital room. And the three other guys that were in the room, three of them dying, basically, all began to open up. And Penny and I had fantastic conversations with them. In fact, they gave us their phone numbers and, so that we could contact them after we got out of hospital. You know, God can turn all things together for good. He can work good in any situation. It's interesting that Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or he will direct your path. We, we love God with our hearts and not so much with our heads. It's like when our kids get to their teenage years, I want to ask for a show of hands who's... Um, whose children have started to question everything when they get into their teens. Uh, yeah, put those hands down over there. <laughs> yeah, when they get into their teens, uh, kids begin to question everything, and the ones that they question the most are their mum and dad. Isn't that right? They question, 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 question. But when they're, when they're little ones, when, when, they're just, when they're just young, they just love us and they trust us and they believe in us. And that's why Jesus said that when we come to God, we have to come to him as little children and just learn to love him and trust him more. He knows what we need. And he's with us. The shepherd psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil because you are with me. You know, I suppose the greatest testimony that I could have of God's love is that in every situation that I have faced, God has been with me. I remember the dark times. I remember the most hurtful times. I remember when my dad died at the age of 64. I couldn't believe it. The dad, just, he, just, he just dropped dead. I remember coming back from Auckland Hospital, driving to Hamilton for two hours, just crying, crying, crying the whole time. But God was with me. And I'm going to see him again because he knew the Lord. And that is just so, so encouraging. God is with us. And I've learned more probably through the harder things of life and God being with me during those than perhaps the mountaintop experiences. Because, you know, God is a God of the valleys as well as the God of the mountain, mountaintops. There is not one person here who won't go through valleys in their life. We don't believe for it. We don't want it. We always pray for the mountaintops experiences. We always pray for the victory. We always believe for those. But the reality is, troublous times come, hard times come, difficult things happen to each and every one of us. And the only way you can get through those is to know that God is with you and that he loves you. Jesus didn't come to do away with suffering, although that is going to be the eternal consequence of his conquering death. In heaven, there's no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. Absolutely amazing. Jesus didn't come to explain suffering. Although we have a theological answer to a lot of things. But what Jesus did come to do was to fill our suffering with his presence. And as we do life with God, our love for him and our trust of him just grows. And in those situations that we don't understand, I focus on God's love towards me. And I focus on trust him rather than trying to understand the situation. When our eldest boy, uh, Peter, ended up in hospital in Sydney, we didn't blame God. Even though he was in a difficult situation, no, we saw God as the answer to our problems. And so we cried out to him. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't worry about anything. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then, and then the peace of God which transcends or passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can have peace in the middle of a storm. We can have peace in any situation or any circumstance if we learn to give our problems, our heartaches, the things that would cause us to worry, as we learn to give them over to the Lord, then his peace 
just floods us and keeps our heart focused on Him. So what do I do? I keep praying. God is a God of miracles. Let's have the musicians. And if you love Him, He can work everything out for good. So what do I do? What did I do when I didn't get a miracle? I kept praying. I kept on loving God. And I kept on trusting Him. And if you will do that, you will have victory even in the valleys of life. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I want to say